Welcome to Coaching Falcons. Uh, in this episode, I'm going to be talking to uh, a couple of past Falcons who were student athletes at Prairie Meridian High School uh, back in the uh, 1980s. Um, I'm talking to uh, two brothers, not only brothers, but real brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to be talking to Mark and Isaac Booth. And uh, it's uh, a great joy to see uh, former students at, at Perry Meridian and athletes that go on and have uh, careers and and play past uh, high school and uh, move move forward and has done a great things have done great things in the community. I know they've got a booth foundation that they uh, that they've created to help uh, people from the neighborhood and so on. And you can't ask anything better than that than you know giving back to community. So uh, Mark and uh, Isaac, welcome. Welcome. I, I, I would like to have your input, and and we're going to start this this session off with, you know, in in 1981, Perry Township or Marion County in general uh, started busing, and it was one way busing from the inner cities out to the suburbs. Well, I grew up in Kentucky, and the biggest school district in Kentucky was uh, Jefferson County Schools, and it was a lot different the busing that took place in Jefferson County schools, then it was odd to come to Indianapolis when I did in 1984 in Jefferson County schools, they bust everybody from the suburbs to the cities, from the cities out to the suburbs. So everybody was bused. And when I moved to Indianapolis in 84, it was kind of odd to see just people busing from the inner cities out to the suburbs and it didn't go back. So that was different for me. Now, um, did you did you guys were, were you bust uh, in 1981? And when when would you when did you guys start uh, making that trip to the South Side? So let me talk. Let me go back a little bit before that. So okay. in the year 1981, um, that's when the new busing order, Judge Dillon, um, yep. had a busing order for um, one-way busing for from like you said from the inner city now you got a picture picture indiana kind of being i-465 kind of a donut and so what happened was basically the suburbs were anything outside of that circle that donut and inner city was considered anything inside of that donut and so for most districts, if you think about on the east side, Lawrence Township, they, the kids that were bused to Lawrence Township on the outside of the donut were the kids who lived on the east side, right inside of the donut. Yeah. And then the same thing up north with North Central, with Pike, with on the west side, with um, with um, Wayne Township or Ben Davis, that kind of was the, the, the way things work. But... Meridian, because of the fact that there was a little more of a mixed community on the right-hand side of the um, donut on the south side, they took kids from the center of that donut circle, which is would be Brightwood, where we grew up at, and they bust them out to the south side, which was a lot further away than any of the other townships. And yeah. so you look at that as that was about a 25-mile hike, you know, every single morning to get to school. So, yeah, we were in the first year. And so I being they only bus kids through eighth grade that they didn't want to take anyone out of their current high school. 
mm-hmm. and bus them. So what they did was if you were an eighth grader lower, you got bus. I happened to be an eighth grader going to be a freshman in 1981. And so I was in that first freshman class of kids who came to Barry Meridian, um, was bused out to Perry Township, to the high school at least. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now, what what time, talk about sacrifice, what time did you guys have to get up and get on the bus to uh, get out to the south side to Perry Meridian? It was about 6 o'clock, 6, 6.15. Usually it was still dark when we got up, went up to go get on the bus, which was, again, now understanding that before I came to um, Perry Township, I was bus within IPS. Yeah. So that I was actually always bus my whole life. So thinking about that, I was bus from IPS all the way out to the east side of Indianapolis. And then it was kind of like now you're getting bused all the way out to Perry Township, which was a lot different because, to be honest, Perry Township at that time, or I shouldn't even say Perry Township, more the Greenwood area was really yeah. known at that point as a pretty racist area at that time. Well, yeah, and, and you know, I, I, it's it still to this day, people still when you hear Greenwood or the South Side, it's like, you know, you're not supposed to be black and be on the South Side, right? You know, and it, well, it's still that way today. There's those attitudes that are still there, and you know, uh, we've always been, we've always lived on the South Side, and you know, we've never had any problems, but you know, it's still difficult and different the fact that you guys knew about the situation and your parents and your cousins and everybody talked about man you guys are going to the south side you know and you know you need to be careful out there and so on well what was what was uh what was school like where i'm gonna bring this i can i can actually tell you about the first day of school that's that's I, i remember my very first day in school Okay. So a couple of things that happened was one, this happened pretty abruptly. I can't give you a date, but I'm going to say to you like this court order happened somewhere like around March or April of that year. And two months later we were bust. So this is not something where you knew for years or, and even the Perry township staff had like all that warning and a whole bunch of training and, you know, and diversity or equity or any of those kind of things happened before the kids actually showed up. Right. So you have to understand that that this was just kind of put upon everybody. And to be honest, I mean, it was a situation where the kids in the inner city didn't want to be bust out. And the people that were in Perry Township didn't necessarily at that point totally understand or want us there. I mean, it was right. kind of, a, you know, change is hard for everyone. So it was just right, kind of right. like, this is not a situation where everybody was just joyous and, oh, this is exactly what we all wanted to do. And so um, I can tell you on my first day of school, I had a class called drawing was art class. Miss Ewing was my teacher. <laughs> yeah. first day. And actually when we came in, I don't, I mean, we, they actually had us sit in desk um, in alphabetical order. So my name being Booth, um, I was sat at the front of the room on, I can't remember if it's the right or the left side of the art room. Um, right in it behind me was a student named Cal Bray. Cal Bray was a kid who was not going to make it in this busing situation. Mm. I sat at my desk just like any other kid would do on your first day of school. You turn sideways in your seat because this is where the the one-piece desk with the desk connected to the chair. And right on the top of his desk was a Ku Klux Klan book sitting on the top of his desk in the corner of his desk. That was my very first period, first first day of school. Wow, wow. Wow. What what a nice shocker. 
Right, absolutely. And so you can imagine that that led to, I mean, you got to, if people want to picture, you have to picture what we're seeing with Black Lives Matter. You have to picture what you picture things being like in the 60s to really understand what school was like in 1981. Yeah. You really have to understand that because of no no buffer, no training, no preparation. I mean, there were hammers thrown through bus windows. There were police escorts of buses in and out of town. Um, probably one of the other really big things was that we were not riding on Perry Township buses. Right. So at this point, we were known, I mean, we were still connected to IPS because IPS buses brought us back and forth to school. So if I say to you that we had to get up at six something to come to school, and then those of us who had football practice after school, we got out of practice at 536, and then we had to be picked up to be taken home that long trip back home. If you can imagine on I-465 or I-65 at that time of day, what traffic would be like. Traffic would be a, a nightmare, absolutely. So the other part about that was, though, that IPS, you have to understand, we were not their priority priority. So there were times when IPS was going to run all their routes before they even sent a bus to come get us. So there were many a nights after practice where we were sitting out in front of the school waiting on buses to come get us that were IPS buses. Yeah, you were just there by yourself. Absolutely. So you have to understand that it was, I mean, to actually be able to do well in that sort of a situation. I mean, it's hard enough to be a student athlete. It's hard enough to be a student athlete and then have this whole... I mean, I mean, the amount of fights that were in the school and riots and that sort of thing that were in school that first year. I mean, like I said, this was something that would have took you back to the 60s. Yeah. Now, now, when you talk about the fights, any time that someone fought, whether it was black or white, it. It became a riot regardless. That was just the, the idea of it, just the thought of it. Just about. I mean, you got to understand that there were, I mean, there were some things where, I mean, you got to understand when you put people together like that and there's no training, you know, you got all kind of different personalities. And I'm even talking about staff. You have staff who want to, you know, befriend the kids, you know what I mean? Because it's just something different. But you have other staff that were like, you know, okay, now I'm going to take the tough guy route and command that they do what I say. And to the point that I might even put my hands on them, not like in a bad way than their thought, but like, I'm going to grab you and shake you up and tell you to do it my way. Yeah. And yeah. That, did not, that did not go over. <laughs> like that did not go over well at all. Like, I mean, there, <laughs> there was a teacher whose back was broken. I mean, I'm talking, when we're talking about, Things being bad, I mean, there were staff members injured. There were, I mean, it just didn't, it was a really, really bad situation when you think of it that way. So um, academics just could not be the priority. There were about 75 of us who were bused in that first class total, mm-hmm. and those females and males, it was about 75 of us, and only about 10 to 15, maybe 20% even graduated after four years. Yeah. So it was a really, really tough situation through those. Now, I would say to you, there, there was a little bit of a different experience if you play sports or that sort of thing, because I think we had a different kind of camaraderie amongst those of us that were on the sports teams. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the next question I was going to ask. You know, yeah, that, how, that, how was the connection between you being bust and some teachers or in 
teachers and uh, students are indifferent to you guys being out there. How was it within the teams? Uh, what sports did you guys play? I know you played football. And right. I think they ran track also. Yeah. I'm not sure. But what was the what was the atmosphere with your teammates uh, at, at Perry at that time? So I would say that, you know, there was a group of us. I think you have already interviewed Buck Small. Uh, Ronnie Westmore, it was a a group of us that were really, really tight, known each other for years before we even came out to Perry Township, who are like, we just band, I mean, we purposely banded together and decided that we were going to look out for each other, that we were going to make sure each other got up for school every morning, like we would call each other every single morning. If someone wasn't at the bus stop, we would be calling. Like, we actually had our own pact that we were all going to make it. But you have to understand that this is not a situation where our parents really had much or any input because, I mean, you and your parents are 25 miles away. Your parents work full time jobs. And, you know, I mean, their ability to actually even be part of something that's happening, you know, 25 miles away without really a lot of invitation to be there to participate um, was really, really rough and so you were handling it made you grow up as a young man it made you grow up a little bit quicker because of the fact that you it's not like most people when they go to school where you know your parents are involved I mean I had great we had great parents it was nothing with our parents it's just that it was almost impossible to do that in that sort of a situation yeah and so yeah. there were some teachers I can think of Miss Ellis who I still know today who reached out there were teachers who reached out, and I, like I said, I point out Miss Ellis was never surprised when later on I think she became the principal, was never surprised that that ever happened because she was a wonderful teacher and always reached out to, to all and never made any difference there. I still know her today, know her kids, that sort of a thing. But on the other side of that, um, back then, I don't know if you even noticed that when we first got bussed out there, like all of us from Indianapolis Public Schools were put into special ed. I was in special ed. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and back then, they had what we call R classes. Yep, remedial classes. So the interesting thing was I was put in special ed. I, first of all, you have to understand, in IPS, I tested out of first grade. So, I mean, I was not a kid who was not smart, you know. Right. But when your parents are not involved, can't be involved, don't know, and I didn't know where. I was just put in a class. So, I mean, I don't know where I was, you know. And I mean, the work was easy. I was a kid. It was fun. You know, I mean, I admit the special ed class I was in was fun. What happened was the first time I got a report card, when you were in our classes, you could not get any grade higher than a C. Right. And the problem when my first report card came home and I had nothing but C's on it, my father hit the roof. Um, (laughs) He's like every single paper he's ever brought home had an A on it. I need to know what's going on. You know what I mean? And so... Um, that's when he demanded that I was taken out of special ed. And right. so, which is ironic because I work in special ed now, but um, that, I mean, that was kind of the thing. So I kind of lost almost a semester to a year of math. Like I can think of that directly because of it. So when I got in college, there were some math classes that I had not taken because I had spent that time in special education. Yeah. Um, and, like, and they didn't give you didn't give you a chance to even test. They just said, hey, these kids are coming in from IPS and um, we're going to automatically put them in the lower level classes exactly. and, and go so for, for a kid who's already tested out of a grade. So obviously he's not 
you know, pretty intelligent. You know what I mean? I never had that opportunity. Right. So that was on the academic side. On the sports side, I ended up being a little bit kind of, I say, lucky and unlucky again on the sports side because we happened to come in and Dr. Fathery was the superintendent at that time. And so we had some pretty powerful people who were interested in this going well. And so, and he actually had a son, um, Chris Fathery, who was on the football team. And so we kind of had some, con- I mean, in a sense, that sort of a connection, he really went out of his way. The superintendent, if you think about that, the superintendent's got kids spending the night at his house, that sort of thing. And it wasn't anything of needing a handout because I had a, I mean, I had a, a good father, good parents. You know what I mean? It was really just more about transportation. Yeah. I mean, just not being able, I mean, not trusting that point. Again, IPS was doing the transportation and not trusting the transportation to get us where we needed to be as part of the football program and all those kind of things. And so we built those, we built some great relationships with our coaches. I think the bond between coaches and, and at least the inner city kids had to be greater than what you expected to be in any other situation because there was an extra, there was extra that needed to happen to allow us to pay sports. Like, I mean, like, let's say, you know, we have two a days, you know what I mean? Where other kids yeah. not be able to go home. We were not going home, you know, for two of driving back and forth to the inner city to make that happen. So we would have to either be going over a friend's house or going home with a coach, you know what I mean? In between those right. two day practices. So, so it, that, that helped. The, the football team or track team or whoever I mean we'll say football for now mm-hmm. uh, because it helped you to bond because you were uh, staying between practices and you were hanging out with one another and doing you know teenage stuff right you know and so it, it allowed you to get closer and it may have broken down some of those walls of uh, distrust that happened prior to you guys getting it coming on into Perry being bus. I'll tell you right now. And, and I think, I don't know where, where, where is Rudy Ray coaching in Decatur Township now? Rudy? No. Uh-huh. Uh, Rudy's a, he's a strength coach out at Iowa state. Okay. So, so, yeah, he's so. not Kyle Enright is coaching at Decatur. He's okay. Enright, yeah. So this is interesting. I spent the night at Steve Wade's house one night. And Rudy was just a little bitty kid. I don't even know how old he would have been in 81, but he was just a little bitty kid. I woke up to Rudy playing in my hair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, he had never been around a black person that close where, you know, and it just, I remember that, like waking up to Rudy playing in my hair and like, what is the little kid? You know what I mean? It's kind of, you feel somebody touching your hair. It's kind of like, yeah, and and you know, black folks. We don't like people messing with our hair. Exactly. <laughs> Even if they like five years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who who were the coaches? Uh, who was the who was the coach when you uh, uh, were on the varsity team? So this is interesting because um, Steve Perica was the head coach, and um, so Coach Potter, you guys were there. Coach Wade, um, all those guys were still there. So it was a really good coaching staff. I was with Brian Birchfield, but when I first came. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think of the quarterback. I'm going to say his name is Mark. I'm trying to think of his name. Mark but, Smith? Yeah, Mark Smith was the, he was the varsity quarterback. And so, yeah, so that was the group that were seniors there when we came in. 
you know, as freshmen. And it was kind of like, hey, you know, but we had some great athletes who came in between me, Ronnie, Buck, all of us. It was kind of like, okay, these guys are not like your average freshman athletes. You know what I mean? And so we got to know Mark Smith and those guys pretty well, pretty quickly. You know what I mean? And, and just yeah. the fact that we had Birchfield and, um, oh, what's the guy who looks to look like the whole, <laughs> the, the, the old lineman? Um, oh, uh, uh, Jan, uh, Jones. Yeah, Mike Milesy. We had like an unbelievably students, you know, that year. And so um, we were going to be successful just off of the talent that we had. But, you know, I mean, we also, I don't, we just built great relationships. I mean, yeah. I, I think to this day, if we all walked in a room, we would all be, you know what I mean? So it was really a different experience for the people that were athletes. You know what I mean? I think probably the one thing that I would say now that I looking back that I missed the most was probably the parent input that probably should have been there. You know what I mean? As a student in school. But other than that, um, I feel pretty, you know, just, you know, I mean, it was I'm sure everybody did the best they could with that situation. So I'll talk a little bit because he was at the middle school. So he came in as a middle schooler and I, I never went to the middle school. Elementary. Okay. Oh, he started in elementary because yeah, I never even went to middle school. Which wh- I I which uh, elementary school did you go to? Winchester Village. Okay, the village, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think it was. I think it was eighty one. I think I came in as a yeah. You came in the same fourth, year. I think a fifth, maybe a fifth grade. Fifth. I want to say fifth grader. Okay. If I can remember correctly, then. I guess my thing was it was so I didn't know what was going on. I just kind of went with the flow because I mean I'm young. I'm just looking at it as a field trip. Go out here, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to make the best of whatever situation, whatever situation presented itself to me was going to be. So, and I was always a small person, and I always had my brother Mark. Uh, but Ronnie, those guys to look up to because I thought they were pretty big and athletic. So my whole my whole thought process process was, hey, I want to be like that, or I want to be better. I always wanted to be better, but never thought I was better than anybody because mm-hmm. I was small in stature. So I, my whole thing was just to watch and learn. Um, I had I had built some good relationships with people from the South Side. Um, Dominic Oaks, he was a good friend of mine. Um, Pete Oaks, it's, I mean, it goes on and on. Yeah. They, they treated me pretty fair, but I mean, I think for a lot of people, it was kind of challenging to have, it's like opening up a box of Cracker Jacks and looking for that prize. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and so I would even say, Steve, just that a couple things. One is that, I will say that I don't know how much I would have left my community had I not been buzzed. So when we, we we got to see things differently, like when we went, I mean, for a lot of people in Prairie Township, it was like, this is just where they live. For me, it was like, oh, you know, this is a nice house. It wasn't like my house at home. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It, just, it wasn't the same. So it gave me different aspirations. You know what I mean? Based on some of the things that I was seeing in that environment. It was, you know, giving me a whole nother level of, okay, this is my, something I want to work towards. You know what I right. mean? So I think that was an important part of it. You know what I mean? Just kind of what it kind of gave us as far as a different look at the world. You know what I mean? From a different perspective. Yeah, it's, it's the old saying, see it and be it. 
Right. You know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, if you don't ever get outside of your bubble, then sometimes you don't have those aspirations. You don't have those dreams. You can you don't see what it's like to be uh, what you can uh, achieve and so on. Now, the hard part about it was that you have to understand, even some of the people, like I said, when we talk about 75 people starting out there and only about 15 percent graduating, you understand, I went to kindergarten with a lot of those. Those are like my really good friends. We live like, first of all, I never, ever played organized football until I came to Perry Township as a freshman. I didn't play equipment or anything like I played every single day in the streets. Yeah. Like I played tackle football at the park. I played on concrete in the streets every single day of my life. We used to, before I came to Bray, we would be, it's funny that we say we caught the bus at six o'clock because even when I was bus in IPS, I would be up at six o'clock. We would meet Ronnie and us would meet outside at six o'clock, even though when we were bus in IPS, our bus didn't come to seven thirty because we played football before we went to <laughs> Yeah. We would be getting on the bus sweaty and funky because yeah, we played I know. football. Every single day before we came to school. Yeah, that's like when the high school that I went to uh, at five thirty in the morning. We always played basketball before school started. Right. <laughs> and like you, we go to class, and I don't have no idea how people didn't say, "Man, they got to be funky," <laughs> because because <laughs> we was hustling out there. But yeah, I, I understand that. That's that's for sure. Um, another question here. Um, Coach Perico was your coach. I know Isaac uh, or Ike, uh, you had Coach Enright. Right. And um, Coach Potter and Coach Wade and I talked uh, yesterday about, you know, the way Coach Perico coached, you know, and he tried to get everything out of you. You know, don't waste any time. You know, you're going to spend an hour and 45 minutes or uh, two hours getting after it, and there's no – there's no um, lag of time. Uh, Coach Enright was a little bit different in the fact that Coach Enright would like to just do football <laughs> for a long time, right. you know. And so, um, uh, I when when you played uh, at, at Perry, this was after Mark had graduated, right? Right. Yeah. Um, what was what was it like playing for for Coach Enright at, at that time? I, I mean, yeah, I guess you could look at it like this. Not knowing, I really didn't know. I just had raw talent. Yeah. So it's like whatever you ask me to do, I would do it, or I would emulate somebody and try to do it like that. Because I had, I'd never. I've never been to a football camp ever. We couldn't afford it. Yeah. I've, never, I've seen a lot of other guys, a um, lot, lot of, I call them Southsiders. They, they would go to camp and, you know, they would run these crisp routes and everything, and they would do everything technically sound. And then I would look at it, but I, I would always store it in the back of my mind. I'm like, you know what? I can do that. And that was always my statement. I can do that. Yeah. But not having the experience of going to somebody's camp and, somebody just sitting down with me or just coaching me up one-on-one. I didn't learn, I didn't really learn technique until I went out to California. Mm-hmm. So okay. everything, everything that I had was just raw talent. Yeah. But, well, uh, you know, when you did come across the street, that, that group of yours, you said you were just a little skinny kid, right. you know, but when you came across the street, suddenly that little skinny kid like grew like 
35 inches. <laughs> you yeah. know, you went from a little bitty tot to, I don't know, what are you, about 6'2", six 6'3", six something like that? I went to, I was, my senior year, I was 6'2", <laughs> Yeah. I remember that, but I could, I was pretty physical, 162, playing safety. Right. So, and I, I mean, I loved, I just loved to hit people. Just line me up and let me go. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But once you learn technique, and I learned about you know corner is harder to play than safety is because to me you're going against the best athletes on the field, and that's what I wanted to do. So when I got out to California and started learning technique, um, it, it was just a different, a whole different experience for me. Now at Perry, I didn't learn any technique. Yeah. Uh, just I guess a lot of I think that a lot of people were plugged into spots. Because I, I want to say they were grandfathered in because they had people that they knew and they wanted to see their kids succeed. But if you have, I guess the problem that I had with that was if you really have an athlete that's better, you want to push that athlete to win. Because I mean, who wants to go out there and lose every every fight? That was that was my biggest issue with, was losing. Yeah, I, I don't care whether that we can go out here and drop some hopscotch. I don't want to lose. <laughs> okay. you know what he said, Steve, is pretty interesting because I put that in different words. It was kind of the politics versus talent kind of thing, the decisions that they were really having to be made yep. a lot of the time. I mean, you think from my class, okay, I'm here going against the superintendent's son. You know what I mean? It's got the superintendent's son's going to play. And I'm very interesting because I'm very interesting situation because you know I didn't know this as a kid, but I know it now. I'm kind of like, okay, I was bigger, I was just as fast, and I know that I caught the ball better than just about anybody on our team. Even like I said, those senior uh, quarterbacks will tell you that, like, okay, they want to play catch with me because they know he caught anything you threw his way. Yeah. And so it's very interesting as I think about it. And then I came back as a coach, which was very interesting because I coach Andre Owens. Hey, Coaching Falcon fans, please stay tuned to part two of Northern Community Falcons, in which I continue the conversation with Mark and Isaac Booth. We have come together to fight for victory, best friends with one another, two, two, five, one big family. Zero. So come on, mighty Falcons, let's, let's join in on the fun. Our team is finally ready strong, to fight for number one. Cover one. Our team includes one, many three, things to help us win this fight. Guts one, cover one, poise. Zero, show one, three, tomahawk, cover three. And if we don't do what is right, one, seven, we'll find out what is wrong. Three. Our Base, team will never three. give up. Our three, team one, will seven. never give up. Our Come team will never give up. Cover zero. We've been fighting for too long.